We've got a new episode of Swings and Mishes on deck with a lot happening this week with the Miami Marlins. The holidays are coming, and that means it is car buying season. And those of you who are looking to purchase a pre-owned vehicle, I want to encourage you to go to this website, happycarsflorida.com. Or go visit the inventory there at 203 West State Road 84 in Fort Lauderdale, 33315. The phone number is 954-745-9599. You've heard me talk about Happy Cars Florida, now all 2019. And the deals that they have going on right now are unbelievable. And better yet, if you want to buy any kind of car... For you or your loved one, call Louie at 954-745-9599 and say that you heard about this on the Swings and Mishes podcast and that Craig sent you directly. He will get you into any car that you want. Louie is unbelievable. He's been involved in car buying and car selling for over two decades here in South Florida. He can get you exactly what you want. I've been buying cars directly from Louie as well. So you can trust him and head on over there. He does all the financing in-house, whether or not you have good credit, bad credit, or even no credit whatsoever, he will take care of you. Again, financing done on the site there. 203 West State Road 84 in Fort Lauderdale. That is happycarsflorida.com. Make sure you give him a call. 954-745-9599. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Swings and Mishes. I am your producer, Jeremy Taché, joined by Craig Mish, who is now back in Florida, safe and sound after his flight back from San Diego. Uh, Craig, you still feeling pretty jet-lagged, I imagine? Or did you not even have a chance to adjust to the jet lag once going out to California? Oh, not that bad. It was a fun time. Um, Actually came back late on Wednesday night. I'm not a big uh, Rule 5 guy. So you know, I, a couple of years ago, I stayed for the rule five and, and I kind of found like, Oh, like, what am I doing here? So I could just easily get that from back home. So um, yeah, I came back to South Florida uh, and, and it was, you know, honestly, it was, it's one of those things where I was very happy to see the result of the winter meetings with all the moves that happened. And I think for baseball, it was a really good thing as well. We got the three biggest free agents out there signed. Now we'll see who else gets signed and, and all the trades and all that other fun stuff. So a lot of fun. Right. Yeah, it was it was a really uh, entertaining uh, winter meetings for sure. I mean, Anthony Rendon signed as well. So uh, but you mentioned the rule five draft and uh, the main uh, response from the rule five draft for the Marlins is, is in reaction to Sterling Sharp, who the Marlins drafted uh, from the Nationals. Um, and the main report from Baseball America basically described him as an athletic sinker baller. Um, so what are your thoughts on on Sterling Sharp as an acquisition, um, and what are you hearing about how the Marlins feel about him? Do you remember Sterling Sharp on the Packers at all, by the way? Of course I do. Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp, no. No? Sterling Sharp? <laughs> he had a brother named Sterling Sharp. <laughs> no, I remember Shannon Sharp. I remember <laughs> Shannon Sharp, and that's only because— Oh, my gosh. Hey, come on, man. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm 24 God. years old. No, I knew the name Sterling Sharp. Sterling Sharp was Shannon's brother. Okay, and fair. He was a phenomenal receiver on the Green Bay Packers. Just exposing my lack of knowledge of <laughs> 90s football. <laughs> Thanks. And, and Sterling Sharp had a very serious neck injury and his career ended, but he would have he could have been a Hall of Famer also. He, really? Uh, he played basically the pre-Favre era and I believe right into maybe the first year of Favre uh, or maybe not even, but yeah, he was a phenomenal wide receiver. That's a, that's a tough one for me. I uh, I'm, wow. feel, I'm feeling pretty embarrassed right now. I know you, 
<laughs> you can't see it on the on on the podcast. Obviously, is is we are just a podcast. But I am blushing hard right now. I am yeah. red as red he as. He spelled his name differently. Oh, but yes, there were two sharps, Jeremy. Killing me, man. Killing yeah. me. All right. So, what are your thoughts on the on the pitcher? On the pitcher, just move right past it. Yeah, I asked a few. I asked a few <laughs> questions uh, today, and and look, uh, the, the Nationals won the World Series. They've mm-hmm. scouted and developed as well as any team in Major League Baseball. So, you know, we, we can't jump up and down about a Rule 5 pick, especially when a team like Washington decides not to protect him. But he was a top 30 prospect, and the Marlins are looking for some relief help. Of course, the Rule 5 means when you acquire a player that they have to be on the big league roster to start mm-hmm. the season unless they are hurt, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, Sharp will be part of the bullpen for the Marlins, and my guess is it would be a very low leverage role to start with as, as he kind of develops. But uh, they're confident, of course, in the ability that they've seen in him. Just had a, a surplus at that position. And as you've seen already, a lot of the publications have them uh, have Sharp already in their top 30, uh, Marlins top 30 in terms of prospects. So mm-hmm. uh, an opportunistic get by Miami. And, and we'll, you know, now they're, they're kind of building that bullpen, as you see, you know, that Ryan Stanek will be in the bullpen for sure. And I believe you also are going to see Adam Conley, at least for the time being. Uh, Drew Steckenrider, that's probably the third one. Harlan Garcia is the fourth. Hmm. And you have uh, Sharp as the fifth. So, uh, you know, with Kinley being gone and then moving in and out as the sixth one that they have, who they uh, ended up signing yesterday also. So, uh, you know, they're kind of piecing it together. I still think that they're going to have to add to this. This is not good enough. But they have had success in the past. Unfortunately, last year, they did not have success at the Rule 5 draft. They took Riley Farrell, right. and Farrell immediately got hurt. And then, from what I understand, just didn't feel like coming back. <laughs> so, so basically yeah. was collecting a big league check, you know, being on the big league roster. And, you know, maybe he would question that. I, I'm just telling you what I heard. He just basically, uh, I mean, this is the danger when you take a Rule 5 guy. Oh, all of a sudden I'm hurt. Okay, great. Now I collect a big league roster, uh, yeah. big league money for the entire season. Mm. So uh, they gave him back, and then uh, I'm not really sure what, what ended up happening with him. But maybe this, this uh, Sharp will have more success than, than Farrell did last year. Yeah, let's let's hope so. Let's hope he's sharp on the mound. Hey, uh, sorry, I Listen, you, even, you've already buried. I don't even. With the I don't even make my. This is my worst podcast we've had by far. <laughs> uh, so you mentioned uh, the Marlins adding to the bullpen, other than Sharp uh, with Yumi Garcia, um, and you know Garcia. Uh, you mentioned he's a strike thrower. Um, he was really good for the Dodgers last year in low leverage spots. So yeah, he finished you know, a lot of games, by the way. Like yeah. if you, if you take a look, he finished, I believe, uh, more than 20 games, mm. but with no saves, you know what that means. The score is like they're losing seven, nothing or, right, or, or, you know, or they're like off, that. you know, nine, nothing. Cause they're the Dodgers. Uh, yeah. What are your thoughts there on Garcia and what he can bring? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing I don't have any, uh, you know, special insight here. I, I, it happened quickly yesterday. I, I'm guessing Dan Greenlee had something to do with this because he's got a very high spin rate. This seems like an analytical play. Uh, you know, one of the fat, one of the best spin rates in, in baseball of, of players that are out there in terms of relievers that were available. He was non-tendered by the Dodgers. Going back, you know, what I always do is check the commentary from fans and check message boards. They didn't like this kid at all, uh, Yumi Garcia. I guess he came into a tight game. He gave up a bum. Uh, so, look, uh, I know, you know, this is probably on the cheap. I know he's got a big league, uh, you know, spot on the roster. So he's right. going to be on the 25-man. And, and maybe they'll use him in the sixth inning as a bridge to get to some of the other players that they end up signing. But Miami you know, took a shot on Eliezer Hernandez, who also had a high spin rate. 
They plucked him off the Houston Astros. That at least, you know, it seems like that's kind of worked out. Yeah, he's been able to you know have some spot starts. He's looked good at times, and you know certainly he could be a, a four or a five starter. I think for some team, but I think for the time being, we'll just look at it as it is, which is the Marlins are are taking advantage of opportunities in their scouting and development like they never have before. And I I believe that Garcia looks more of like an analytical play where they looked at the numbers, they looked at the spin rate and said, wow, if we can get this guy to Mel Stottlemyre, maybe there's something more to it. And Mattingly has some familiarity with him, of course, in the Dodgers. So, uh, you know, Garcia, I would would say, barring something unforeseen, is probably one of the men that you're going to see in the Marlins bullpen to start the 2020 season. Right. And and they did struggle uh, with some of those bridge guys. So having someone, even if it's in, you know, mid mid innings there in the fifth or sixth inning to get to your next relievers is something that the Marlins did struggle with a bit last season. And, you know, you talk about analytical plays. I, I remember having this conversation. I don't know if we had it with Dan Greenlee specifically or if it was as a result. But Jordan Yamamoto was one of those. That's exactly sort of what got it was. Yes, thrown exactly in. And Jordan Yamamoto was an analytical play who nobody really looked at as high upside. And look, he had a really great start with the Marlins. You know, will he be a part of the future? That's yet to be determined. But Yamamoto really uh, overachieved based off those analytical plays there. So maybe Garcia can do the same thing out of maybe the Maybe so. Maybe so. And again, very low risk ads. Every, every move that the Marlins have made thus far, with the exception of Jonathan Villar, VR. Right. I can't figure out how to, everyone's pronouncing <laughs> his last name differently these days, but right. um, I called him VR for many years. Other than him, I don't think that there, he, that there's risk there because you're paying this man $10 million to play. Sure. I think he's going to be great for Miami, but uh, that that's the only risk. Aguilar is not a risk. Aguilar goes into camp and has a bad spring. People forget they can cut him. Right. They would owe him about five, $600,000 and then they could say goodbye if it doesn't work out. And and Yimi Garcia, I'm going to guess, even though he'll have some sort of guaranteed contract, this has got to be under a million dollars, I'm going to guess. Sure. So so they haven't done, they haven't taken any financial, significant financial risks yet. That's going to come. They're going to sign a bat. They're going to sign a couple bullpen arms. They're going to have to spend millions of dollars to get it. But thus far, it's been all very calculated, and we'll kind of talk about some of the opportunity they did have over the last few days of the winter meetings as well. Right. Well, and let's get into that right now. Um, I'm going to go through a few different names. I'll start with one and work our way down um, through different names that have been floated out, whether it be by you or other reporters at the winter meetings uh, that have been linked to the Marlins. So first, uh, you said yesterday that the Marlins have discussed with the Twins, Eddie Rosario. What are you hearing in regards to Rosario? Yep, they're looking for pitching. They, the, the Twins have an opportunity to compete for their division. Clearly, they were very good last year. And th- there's, you know, a couple of moving parts here. If, if Rosario, they're able to move, who hit more than 30 bombs last year, they would, they would require some sort of mid to frontline pitcher. And if they did that, then the Twins wouldn't have to go out and spend Dallas Keuchel two years and 30 million or whatever he's looking for. And I'm just throwing out numbers I don't know. They mm-hmm. could do it on the cheap. So basically the Twins, uh, you know, said to the Marlins, uh, you know, we'll take Sandy Alcantara. <laughs> they said no. We'll take Pablo Lopez. They said no. Uh, you know, people have asked me on Twitter about Caleb Smith. That's not a name that I heard that was involved. So, and by the way, uh, Sandy and Pablo were not involved. The Marlins said no immediately, and that was it. The other part of this, too, as I mentioned on social media, mm-hmm. is that the new Marlins bench coach and their offensive coordinator, James Rousen, has a lot of familiarity with Eddie Rosario. I can't say this to be factual, but if James uh, Rousen thought that Eddie Rosario was a game-changing outfielder, they probably would have sent Pablo Lopez to Minnesota, and Rousen would be, uh, and uh, Rosario would be in left field in Miami this season. Right. Given the fact that that's not happening, probably tells you a little bit 
more about Eddie Rosario. That's not to say that he's a bad player. I think he could help a lot of people, and he's one of the most underrated players in baseball. But I think there could be some questionable, de- uh, questionable defense there as well. And, you know, Marlins haven't had an issue with that in the past. They've put different people at different positions, center, left, and right. But in this particular case, that was not enough to get it done. Could the Twins go back to Miami and say, hey, look, instead of those two, how about uh, one of your other pitchers? How about Yamamoto? How about Eliezer Hernandez? Mm. Maybe. I don't know. That hasn't happened to date. But the asking price on Rosario, at least from Miami's side, was too much. I don't anticipate that getting done. Right. And Rosario is one guy they could look to trade for. And we can move to some free agents now as well. There's uh, Corey Dickerson is one of the names that, that has been linked a little bit here and that you've talked about on Twitter. W- what's the latest with Dickerson? Corey Dickerson is, is probably looking for a little bit more money than what the Marlins want to spend. Miami sees him as a 130 to 40 game player. They don't see him as a 162-game player. I think against tough left-handed pitchers, they'd like to platoon that situation a little bit. Dickerson feels as though he's an everyday player. He has proven that. He's proven that in a lot of different spots. He's been very good for both the Rockies, the Pirates, uh, the Rays, and even finished very well with Philadelphia last year. The knock on Dickerson is a little bit of health. He's had some health issues. Not a ton, but he's had some that have caused him to miss games. So Miami's price is going to be quantified in the fact that they feel as though he's not a 162-game player. Dickerson is asking to be a 162-game player and to be paid for it. Uh, Dickerson expects the Marlins to make an offer. That has not happened yet. When that happens, we will let you know. Uh, that's kind of where we stand with Dickerson. I believe, I believe the Marlins will uh, make him an offer and get involved in that. It just may not be the top offer, and then they would have to pivot to somebody else. But I definitely think he's in play. Is anything close? As we're uh, posting this on Friday, as far as I know, the answer is no, because clearly you have to make an offer and you have to have an offer accepted (laughs) to sign a free agent, but there has been no offer as of yet. And he has, and he has other teams that are involved as well. Well, maybe someone they could pivot to is Cole Calhoun. We've talked about getting pop in that Marlins lineup. He hit 30 plus homers last year out in LA. So what's the latest now on Calhoun? They've also been interested in him, and the same thing with him is the asking price. I think the Marlins probably would prefer Dickerson over Calhoun if they had their choice. You get a little bit of an uptick, I think, in everything there. Uh, he's, he would not be a sexy name that the Marlins would bring in, but he would be in a similar situation, I think, whereas he's a left-handed hitter. I think that of, of anybody who has covered the Marlins, and I know that you guys who listen to this are very dedicated and you believe in what I say, but I've told you guys this from day one. They're going to get a left-handed hitter of some kind to play the outfield, and all these other names of right-handed guys keep getting thrown out there. I don't think that's happening. I think they're getting a one-year or two-year left-handed hitter, and then eventually they will uh, you know, pivot over to their young guys. But for now, uh, Calhoun fits in that mold. Uh, I don't have any update more than what you've seen, just basically that they are interested in him. But I, I don't know that they've given him an offer either. Sure. And, and you know, you mentioned left-handed hitters. There is one right-handed hitter that uh, actually uh, Joe Frasaro of MLB.com linked to the Marlins, at least sort of loosely. And that's Yasiel Puig. Have you heard any sort of uh, links between the Marlins and Puig yourself, Greg? Yeah, I mean, look, Joe has great sources and he covers the team. So, you know, certainly uh, that's one that you'll have to lean on him for, for sure on because I have not heard anything um, with Yasiel Puig. I believe uh, there were report also um, from, uh, from Jorge Ibru in the, uh, in the uh, El Nuevo Herald also on mm. Puig. But I personally have not heard anything on Puig. It would be very surprising to me given uh, what happened in the past with Don Mattingly and Puig. But right. 
Um, you know, look, I, I wouldn't rule anything out, but it's kind of funny how we went from Avicel Garcia to Puig all of a sudden there. It's kind of strange. Hmm. Uh, my, my guess is it still, again, ends up being some sort of left-handed hitter, but we'll see. Puig would be the primary right fielder. One guy that played some right field for the Marlins last year, a little bit of first base as well as Gary Cooper. And um, yesterday, uh, Wells Duesenberry actually wrote a story in which uh, he interviewed Don Mattingly. And Mattingly had some really interesting quotes to say uh, about Cooper and really referenced him not as an everyday player. I'll, I'll run through those just real quick. He said there, were, there was numerous injuries, so I think he's a tough guy to say we can put him in there every day, Mattingly said. I think we can look at him now at this point as a guy who's not an everyday, everyday, everyday type guy. I think it's more of filling in spots and getting his at-bats if somebody's hurt. I found that to be very interesting coming from Mattingly. What are your thoughts there in regards to Garrett Cooper as an everyday player and sort of what Mattingly had to say in regards to that uh, so publicly? Yeah, layer number one, I'm sorry that I missed that. Uh, layer number two, I'm glad that Wells did something on that. And layer number three, boy, if this was in another city, Right. And, and this was said about another player in a market where, where baseball is the primary sport, there would be, uh, this would be a much bigger story than it is now. Um, you know, I waited till the afternoon to, to kind of talk about it a little bit on social media and I can talk more about it here. Um, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I, mm -hmm. I under, I understand that there, there is truth. In, in what Don Mattingly is saying. And Don Mattingly owes no apologies to anyone. I mean, this is one of the best players in baseball history, although he didn't get in the Hall of Fame this past time. Uh, I have the ultimate amount of respect for him. Pinch myself covering Don Mattingly. But I, I, thought, that, I thought this was inappropriate. I mean, you basically are, are talking about a, a guy and a man's career and his livelihood. And you know what? It may be true. It's very possible. Uh, but I think personally, it's, it makes for great content here. and We get to eat seven or eight minutes talking about it, but we shouldn't be. I think this is the kind of conversation that, um, that at the very least happens privately sure. with, with Don Mattingly. They don't owe Garrett Cooper any explanation for signing Jesus Aguilar, by the way. I don't think so. Hmm. But I think after that point, with those kind of comments like that, I think that's the kind of thing that Either Donnie or Mike Hill calls uh, Cooper and says, hey, look, we're, you know, we brought in Jesus Aguilar. To be perfectly clear, we're bringing him in to be our starting first baseman. We just don't think that you can stay healthy. And, and look, if you do, you, know, you need to stay healthy. You need to stay on the field. And that's the bottom line. And, th and if that happened privately, we probably would never know about it. It's really surprising to me that that went as deep as it did. And in, in you know, looking at the questioning, it didn't seem like that was you know, specifically asked, like, what do you think about Cooper and his health? Like, I don't think that that right. – that was there so that was kind of volunteered a little bit um you know there there has been no um response from uh, cooper i don't i don't think that you'll get one now at least um i would guess he's upset yeah. i would guess i would guess he is upset because nobody likes to hear that about themselves but maybe you know some people alluded to this could be something to challenge him and, and i get that 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 certainly could be done but this is also a grown man he's not 22 years old you know mm -hmm. he is um you know, he's 28 or 29 or whatever it is, and he's playing for his life. He's playing for his livelihood here. And um, he, moved, he moved to South Florida. He's at Marlins Park. He's, do, you know, he's done everything that he possibly can. And to me, uh, Cooper was the Marlins' second-best hitter, and for, at right. times he was their best hitter last year. I mean, Anderson, we would say, is, was their best. But at times, Cooper was their best hitter, mm -hmm. and, and he was hurt a lot. 
but he also had these freakish injuries similar to Stanton. I mean, they called no one called Stanton injury pro when he was getting hit in the head and in the and in the arm either. Right. But his name was Stanton. And um and and I and again it's just not I just didn't like to see that. I didn't I didn't like to see that and and I certainly don't 100% believe that Jesus Aguilar is the answer at first base after every single team in the American League that could have put him at DH and got him for two and a half million dollars said no you know right. one by one 15 teams no 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 now the Marlins took their shot and it was a worthwhile gamble but that's doubling down on a player that we really don't know what's going to be and honestly Jeremy reminds me a little bit of last year with Peter O'Brien sure so, sure. you know, I, now people will scream, oh, Aguilar is so much better than Peter O'Brien. Yeah, it's true. I mean, mm-hmm. Peter O'Brien never had a, a season in the big leagues like Jesus Aguilar did. No, but, certainly not. But I haven't talked to too many people that have said to me, oh, and this is, by the way, players, coaches, executives around the league. I talked to a lot of people. I haven't had anybody say, wow, that was a great signing for Jesus Aguilar. I've got the opposite. Mm. Everything else the Marlins have done, I've gotten all thumbs up on. That one was like, wow, like we really don't know. And then somebody else said to me, well, Craig, look, the deal is with Aguilar is that, you know, he goes in spring training and Jeremy, if he starts off 0 for 21 with 15 strikeouts, guess what? That two and a half million, as I said, is six, 700 grand. And that's the end of the story. And then what do they do, Jeremy? Garrett Cooper (laughs) plays first base, right? I think. So that's the element that's, that's so interesting to me. And I think the part of this that, Look, Garrett Cooper is a grown man who can handle his emotions and his feelings and use it as motivation. But I will say, I remember last year, and, and I can't remember after which injury it was specifically, but I want to say it was when Garrett Cooper was hit in the hand. And talking to Cooper after the game in the clubhouse, how frustrated he was. Oh, yeah. And not only frustrated by being injured, but frustrated by then knowing the perception around him that was injury prone when some of these injuries have been legitimately freak injuries. And, and as someone who I can say I know is frustrated by that sort of perception, I was shocked to see his manager then go say, yeah, well, you know, I'm not sure he's an everyday player um as someone that has been affected by that so i was just i was more than anything sort of caught off guard because it felt like this this was sort of volunteered out there for a guy that really if you're going to win more games next year probably needs to be a pretty key piece of that lineup right i I thought i thought so but but even still if that's the way that they felt i would have done the opposite I would have said, you know what, Cooper's in Miami and he's working out and he's in the best shape of his life and we're really mm-hmm. going to count on him this year. And, and look, we brought in Aguilar, but honestly here, you know, this is a competition. We're going right. to let the best man win and whoever wins is going to be this. And then they could trade Cooper, Jeremy, right. tomorrow. They could right. trade him tomorrow. They could say, they could say all really the right things. Right. Right. And then and just get rid of him and send him to the American League or send him wherever if you really feel like he's injury prone. Mm-hmm. So it's the, the whole thing to me. It, um, it, it makes good podcast material for us. Sure. And, and again, I love it when that kind of stuff happens because we can stir it up a little bit and talk about <laughs> it. But the reality of it is, is that uh, a lot of people were surprised by this. A lot of people were surprised by those comments. So yeah, I was certainly caught off guard. Um, so wrapping things up, we've covered pitchers added to the roster, not necessarily splashy names, but certainly pitchers added to the roster, which is something we did not have a few days ago. We have different names now specifically linked to the Marlins. Uh, and we have this story now from Don Mattingly coming out of the winter meetings. It's actually been a pretty eventful winter meetings, even from just the Marlins perspective. So, Craig, 
as we wrap up this podcast, are there any final thoughts you have about this year's winter meeting experience versus last year's or any other of the years past? Well, you had Garrett Cole and Steven Strasburg and then Anthony Rendon all sign. And, and this is, and I know that it was, they're all the, the Boris clients, but we had other uh, signings too. And, and even though they were, you know, kind of minor, we had, you know, Kevin Gossman sign. We had Nomar hmm. Mazzara traded. We had Michael Waka sign with the Mets. So there was certainly enough to keep us busy for four days. And, and there was more this year that happened in the last two years combined. So my Absolutely. faith is back in the winter meetings. And I was very happy to see that happen because it's always a good event for me anyway, to be able to see my peers and see people in the industry that I talk to uh, so often, whether it's text or calling, but I'm hopeful that this continues. Not really exactly sure why this happened the way it did, where all of a sudden now everyone decides to sign during this time, but this is exactly the way it needs to be. Uh, There's no possible way baseball's ever going to, recreate what the NBA has at midnight as soon as free agency starts. And I think it's similar in the NFL. We know that that's not going to happen. And those sports are so wildly popular now. And free agency is like an animal with both of those sports. So much based on the actual season. It is, but baseball can have it too. And, And this is the start of that. And the last thing that anybody wants is waiting until February and March to get these guys signed. Think about the last couple of years, Harper and Machado into February and March. J.D. Martinez, I think, like almost right in the middle of March, like right up until the season almost. We don't want that as baseball fans. We want to know who's on the roster. We want to know who we're going to see. We don't want to go to spring training and, and have holes on the teams and have separate camps for players that, that don't get contracts. That's no fun. So in this particular case, I do agree with Mark, Rob Manfred that the game is healthy in terms of financially. And so uh, hopefully, Jeremy, in 2000 and the 2020 winter meetings – We'll be talking about the Marlins. Hopefully. Signing some hopefully. big ticket free agents. You know, not huge, but at least bigger ticket free agents. And I think that there is a chance that that ends up happening. So that is, that is my takeaway from the 2019 winter meetings. Hey, well, hopefully in 2020, I'll be there with you. We could do some podcasts from the winter meetings as opposed to uh, via conference call here. Um, well, you were we, invited. Don't I know. Hey, it's invited. not, it's not, it's hey, not your fault. fault. It's my fault. It's my yeah, fault. Okay. Let's, let's be clear. Uh, on this. I'm well, it's not, let's not get into it. I'll, uh, you're yeah. invited next year too. <laughs> tell, let's tell extend right that now. invite right now. Perfect. Awesome. Um, well, if you guys do enjoy this content that we gave you from the winter meetings, um, for the last, what, three out of four days here, um, Please remember to like, subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. Please go to swingsadmissions.com, sign up, uh, and subscribe on the website as we will have um, at the turn of the new year, we will start to get articles back up on the site um, and really start ramping up for the season. Um, We will keep you guys posted as to when our next podcast will be here on Swings and Mishes. Um, But thank you guys for listening. Enjoy. Tweet us any questions you have at Swings and Mishes, at Craig Mish, at Jeremy Taché. And have a wonderful weekend. This is the way.